All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Hey, how many, of you guys, how many of you guys are excited to be at New Life for Christmas Eve? Come on, let me hear you. All right, let me hear from all you guys that got drugged along by some family member you don't really want to be here. Come on, let me hear you. I'm just... Hold, hold on. Hold the applause. Hold the applause. That could be a game changer. That could ruin your whole Christmas right there. Forget I even said that. All right. Well, man, we want to welcome all of you that are, um, you're a New Life family. Like, this is where, this is your home church, you know? Uh, I want to welcome all of you that are extended family as well. You might be from out of town. Uh, you, you may be uh, from in town, and you're just here worshiping with us. We want to thank you for being here today. Uh, we're, we're saying a big hello as well to our North Platte campus so for many of you that are new with us today, we're one church in multiple locations, and right now we're live in North Platte at our campus there as well, and uh, just having our Christmas Eve services. And so it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, it's a blast uh, to serve here at New Life Church, and we're so excited that we get the opportunity to celebrate this Christmas Eve together. Christmas Eve on Sunday, I mean, it's just kind of like it's a home run kind of combination that comes together. Christmas Eve is just a big event uh, for a lot of people, and so to have that fall on Sunday is a real honor, and it's an honor that you chose to come and worship with us here. We know that there's a lot of great churches in North Platte, there's a lot of great churches in Kearney as well, and for you to choose to come and worship with us here at New Life, it's a privilege. Uh, I want to leave you today inspired, all right? That's my goal. I want to leave you today feeling like there's more hope. Uh, I want to challenge you today, though. Many of you, you, you know the Christmas story. Like You could get up here and you could give many of the details today. So uh, my, my objective today is not to bore you with the Christmas story. My objective today is to start to cause you to think in a way that maybe you have never thought of before. And so I titled this message today, Intimidating Christmas. Yeah. And so, yeah, like let that ponder for a little bit. I told that to my family like yesterday and they basically looked at me and they're like, are you sure about that? And I'm like, come on, you guys love me, right? So they didn't know how it was supposed to be said. Like, is it supposed to be said intimidating Christmas, right? Or is it intimidating like Christmas, all right? It doesn't matter how you say it. It's just intimidating Christmas, all right? Is it you intimidating Christmas or is it Christmas intimidating you, right? So... It, it, uh, none of that really matters right now. When you, think of, when you think of intimidation, though, now that I got you all with me, right? So now you're intrigued. Like, what in the world is this guy going to say? What church did we come to? Are we at the right church? And when you think of the word intimidation, though, my mind, it quickly goes to this image right here. It goes to, it goes to the elephant looking at the mouse, thinking to itself, like, I'm, I'm threatened by this little bean, Right? I am, uh, I'm scared of this thing, right? I'm irrational in my thinking. And this is like the, 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 this is like the old story of intimidation. This is the old, like, I can't believe the elephant's afraid of the mouse. And in, in all right thinking for you and me right now, we're thinking to ourselves, like, there's no need for the elephant to be afraid of the mouse. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else with me? You guys, is everybody awake? Okay. You're like, hey, I thought this was a Christmas Eve service. Like, why don't we have something about Christmas Eve? Why is there an elephant and a mouse? I want to talk to you about two diet plans in America. <laughs> okay, all right, just, just joking about that. Um, which one are you on, all right? 
Which one will you look more like at the end of Christmas? Um, so we all know in our right mind, like it's, it's ludicrous for the elephant to be afraid or intimidated in any capacity with the mouse. But in all of our lives, intimidation plays a massive role. I still remember like years and years ago, preaching my very first sermon, okay? I was in, I lived in North Pole, Alaska, which I thought that alone is a wonderful illustration for Christmas. So uh, we lived in North Pole, Alaska, no joke, Google it right now if you want to, you can use our free Wi-Fi here at, at New Life, all right? But just don't go playing games, all right? So North Pole, Alaska, that's where we lived, we went to church there, I was a youth staff member, that means I volunteered on Wednesday nights to hang out with junior hires and high schoolers, right? And uh, we had a lot of fun. And the youth pastor was going to be on vacation. He was going to be gone. And he said, Jeff, I really think this is your opportunity. I want you to preach this coming Wednesday night. It was like two Wednesdays from that, right? So the first week of the whole assignment, I kind of blew it off. I was busy doing a bunch of things. Now I'm one week out from having to preach my very first sermon. I still remember standing in my kitchen, holding the, the Bible in my hand, right? Because there's no digital Bibles then. So I'm holding the Bible in my hand, the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, right? And I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking to myself, like, what am I going to say, <laughs> Like, what, what can I say about this? Like, where do I even start? Like, how do I even dig into this? I, I still remember to this moment calling my father and telling him, I got to preach a sermon and I got no idea like what to say. Like, where should I start? It was just overwhelming. I was so intimidated with it, right? But you guys, you, you feel the same thing. You feel intimidation in different ways. Like we've, we've all felt it. Like maybe some of you are intimidated by someone who seems smarter or more successful than you. You don't have to raise your hand about that. But we have at points in our life. Now, should we? No, but we do. We start comparing ourselves to others. We're like, wow, man. And then that person speaks or whatever, and you just kind of like, you shut her down because you think that somehow their voice is, has more authority than yours. We, we, we get intimidated by people that are maybe, you know, more muscular than us, or they're perceived as more pretty than us. We get intimidated by that. And for some of you, you stay away from certain individuals. You don't even connect with them because of your intimidation with them based on just the way they physically look. We can be intimidated by technology. Anybody here intimidated by technology? That's a legit thing, isn't it? It is. It is. And we'll pray for you. Um, just pray. There's a card in front of you. Just write it down. Like, here's my name. Pray for me. I'm intimidated by technology. Um, but yeah, things change so fast, don't they? And so I, I got it. I understand that. Some of you are intimidated by trying something new. Like, I'm okay where I'm at. Don't throw any new things at me. I'm going to tell you this. If you're, you're missing out on the trend at New Life if you're not skydiving right now. I've, this is a true story. Like, there are people, they possibly could be sitting next to you. You would look at them and go, they would never skydive. But they did it this summer. I'm not joking with you. Like, there was like this virus that was going through our church of people wanting to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. And there was nothing that we could do to heal it. It was just happening, right? The next Sunday, somebody shows up like, I jumped out of an airplane. I did it too. And then I did it. And then, you know, I mean, it was amazing. And I was just blown away. Seriously, I was blown away by some of the people that come up to me and tell me, I tried something I never thought I would ever do. They overcame the intimidation of trying something new, like skydiving. So... 
Got it, right? But we can be intimidated by someone or something, and we don't even know why we're intimidated by it. Like, you can't even answer the question. But if that person or that thing was brought into the room or sat right next to you or, you know, ended up on your arm or whatever it is, like, it could could be a game changer for you right now. And we don't even know why sometimes. So intimidation is basically being threatened by something or to be frightened by it. It would cause you to become defensive at times and definitely causes you to become irrational. Intimidation, it warps your ability to see clearly. You, you think you're seeing something accurately, but you're not. You're seeing it from a warped perspective. Intimidation will cause you to get stuck. I mean, sometimes physically you get stuck in fear and you can't even move. But many times you get stuck emotionally or you get stuck mentally and you can't, you can't get out, right? You're, you're, you're kind of like you're, you're caught in a trap. And intimidation over time will cause you to miss out on God's best plan for your life. So you may have never thought about the way I started this sermon today. Right? You may never have thought about it, but I'm going to tell you today the Christmas story can be a very intimidating story in these two ways of which I want to unpack for you today at Christmas at New Life. The first one is this, those people who are intimidated by Jesus. There are people that are intimidated by Jesus. And some of you are listening to my voice today. You're intimidated by him. And then there are those who have become intimidating because of him. There's two sides of the coin this Christmas. Which side are you on? Have you become intimidating because of Jesus? Or are you intimidated of Christ today? So let's jump in and let's look at it. Let's look at it first from intimidated by Jesus. Okay. So when you jump into the Christmas story, there's a number of different characters of which here's where the traditional part of Christmas Eve is going to come in. So we're first going to start out with the shepherds. Were the shepherds intimidated by Jesus? Yes or no? No, the shepherds were not intimidated by Jesus. But check out the scenario. They're out in the pitch black dark of night, no street lights. They're, they're taking guard over their sheep. That means some of them are sleeping, some of them are awake as they're watching over and protecting these sheep at night. And then as their nice little campfire is the only light that they have, all of a sudden an angelic being shows up in the sky. Intimidating or not intimidating? Intimidating, right, with anybody that's got their head screwed on straight today. So intimidating, right. And then by the end of the proclamation of what's happening in a nearby village of Jesus, the Son of God who has come, the hope of the world to be born, by the time it's all over, the entire sky is lit up with a host of angels too many to count. Intimidating or not intimidating? Very intimidating, Right, But instead of being intimidated, here's what the shepherds do. Take a look at what they did in Luke chapter 2. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's get out of here. Okay, that's not what they said. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they, what did they do? They what? They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told how many people? Everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Now, here's the powerful part, right? All who heard the shepherd's story were what? Astonished. These guys came to worship Jesus. 
They worshiped him, and then they left to go tell everyone that they could find. And when they found them, the impact of their story of this massive encounter with this angelic host out in the fields and this worship of this baby, the newfound savior of the world, Jesus Christ, it left people not intimidated. It left them astonished. Astonished. That's the way I want to leave you today. I want to leave you today astonished with the good news of Jesus. And guess what we're supposed to be doing in this world? The way we live our lives, the way we project the image of Christ, or even our worship here today should leave one another astonished that Jesus is as good as he is. It should leave people astonished that Jesus came and he gave his life for us even while we were still sinners Our life is supposed to do the very same thing that the shepherds did. Are we leaving people in our wake astonished at the good news of Jesus? It's a good question this Christmas. Let's go to the wise men. What do you think? Were the wise men intimidated by Jesus or not intimidated by Jesus? They're not intimidated by Jesus either. I mean, here are these guys, they've traveled for a long, long period of time over a very long distance as they've been following the star. When they get close to where Jesus is, they meet with King Herod. Of which, you know, they ask him questions, but he asks them many, many questions about their journey. Almost kind of in a third degree style of asking questions, trying to figure out what's really going on. I'm just going to say to you that you might think that, you know, meeting a king would be something really like an honor, right? But when you meet a king in biblical times, you need to know you're meeting a man that has the authority to make you disappear like a mafia in New York. Snap of a finger, like, hey, where's Johnny? I don't know where Johnny is. Saw him down by the river. I mean, the king has the ability to like, bam, he, just, he uses his army, he uses any resource that he has in his disposal, and then... Before you know it, you're gone or you're thrown in jail. And who's going to let you out? Well, if the king remembers and he wants to let you out, that's how you get out. So a king is somebody that has a lot of authority and a lot of power. To meet with a king at that time could have been extremely intimidating. But instead, here's what the wise men did in Matthew chapter 2. It says that after this interview with the king, the wise men, they went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east, it guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here are these men that we refer to as the wise men because they are? Good answer. It's a great answer. Sharp, sharp audience. And what do they do? These men that are considered to be wise, they bow down in a house. This is not in the manger anymore. They bow down in a house to a toddler. And in the presence of a toddler, they give their amazing gifts. But it's not about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's about what's happening right here. You see, today, we're like the wise men. We don't come to God and try to impress him with the gifts that we can give him. Like, was my tithe check large enough? Was my offering check large enough? It was, it's not about the, it's about the heart. Right? 
did I, I gave enough time this year. The end of the year is wrapping up. Did I give enough time to God? Did I not? It's about the heart. See, that's what God's looking for, just like he was looking at from the wise men. And these wise men, they bowed down, not with intimidation in their heart, but with worship in their heart, with an attitude of bringing glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, even though at that moment he was just a toddler. Now we know the full story. We really don't have an excuse. I mean, then it was like, man, this could look really bad on our record, guys. What if someone snapped a picture and put it on Facebook, us bowing down to a toddler or the wise men? Right? Now we know the full story. We know about the empty cross. We know about the empty tomb. We know Jesus, our king, is coming again. We know those things. We should not be intimidated by coming to Christ. How about Mary and Joseph? Was Mary... Was Mary intimidated? In some regards, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, Mary's just a common young girl living in Nazareth, right? She was engaged to Joseph. So here she is. She's, she's preparing for a wedding. And then one day, she's surprised by the visit of an angel, the angel Gabriel. And here's the way it goes down in Luke chapter 1. It says that Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of, like, what does this angel really mean by these words? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I mean, look, she had every right to be intimidated by this mission. Ladies, you understand better than us, men. You understand how she could be very intimidated by this mission. Here she is, and she, she says it right in Scripture. How can this happen? I'm a virgin, right? I'm a virgin, and now I'm pregnant? Very intimidating. What will Joseph say? What's he going to do? No one's going to believe me. What's my parents going to think? What is the village going to think when this starts getting blasted on social media that I'm pregnant? And I'm supposed to, you know, I'm engaged to be married, and it's not, the baby isn't coming from Joseph, Right? I mean, that, that would be a disgrace even by itself at that moment. And even today, it's a, big, it's a really, really big issue. I got it. But how in the world? I mean, that could be very intimidating. But instead of being intimidated by the mission, she says, what words? May everything that you said about me come true. That's the kind of heart God's looking for out of us. Mary lived out her promise, and she's still honored to this day. You know what God's looking for out of you and me when he challenges us to live a life that's beyond what we can imagine or dream possible? God's interested in us coming to him and just simply saying those same words. God, may you have your will done in my life. This isn't the route that I choose. It's not the plan that seems best to me. Right? But it's evidently best to you. So Let your will be done in my life. May it come true. 
And then Joseph. Joseph's just a carpenter, guys. He's a common man as well. Joseph was trying to live a pure life in his engagement to Mary. We know that because of what Mary says to the angel. I'm still a virgin. Right? So good job, Joseph and Mary. But then he finds out. Can you imagine the shock that's on his face? The shock in his heart when he finds out that his soon-to-be wife is pregnant? Can you imagine the emotions that are stirring around in his mind? Can you, can you kind of put yourself there and think about what would his next actions be then after that moment? And then an angel appears to him in a dream. And this is what happens in Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, Mary's fiance, was a good man. and did not want to disgrace her publicly because he had found out, right, about this. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. But as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, did not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary to be his wife. In the flesh, Joseph was highly intimidated. In the flesh. He was intimidated by this supernatural pregnancy. But what did he do that you and me need to do? Joseph overcame that intimidation by faith. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you, even though it doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust you. Even though I can't put the two things together, I can't make sense of them. They just keep crossing, you know, my paths. I, I can't bring them together. I can't fathom. I, I just can't figure it all out like we do. Like we want to figure it all out before we go all in. Joseph did just the opposite. I can't figure it all out, but I'm going to trust that what the Lord has for me is best. And by faith, he overcame the intimidation. Today, there's anything keeping you from accomplishing God's mission and intimidating you in your life. Let me just encourage you, follow the the path of Joseph and by faith, give yourself to Jesus Christ completely. Close your eyes and just practice with me, stepping off the cliff, putting your, your life right into his hands. That's the best place you can live it, by the way. And that plan proved out for Joseph. So who was intimidated by Jesus? King Herod was intimidated by Jesus, right? Absolutely he was. I mean, when the wise men came to meet with Herod, here's what happened in Matthew chapter 2. It says that, where, the wise men said this to Herod, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him, right? King Herod was what? Deeply disturbed when he heard this. And so was everyone else in Jerusalem. You know why he was disturbed? Because of these words. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We came to worship him, not you. That's why he was disturbed. That's why he was intimidated. He was intimidated by this baby, not because it was, he was a baby. He was intimidated because they were referring to the baby as king. He was thinking to himself, when is it that all of the people are going to start worshiping this baby and stop worshiping me? When is it they're going to start following the baby and stop following me? And all of that, church, came from his insecurities. And our insecurities... The inability to see ourselves the way God sees us will allow intimidation to act like a cancer inside of your very soul and spirit. The inability to be confident in who God made us to be. And by the way, I'm standing up here as victim number one of this. 
This is not me preaching to you. This is me sharing. We all, all of us, are susceptible to insecure feelings and thoughts and attitudes. And every time that we allow, every time that Jeff Baker allows that to happen, I become insecure and then I become intimidated by someone or something and it causes me to lead in a way that is more harsh than I ought to lead. So, Merry Christmas. (laughs) But that's the kind of church we are. You just pull the veil back and you go, those things happen in me. Do I like it? No. In fact, I despise it. Sometimes I'm too close to it to even notice it. So why do we need other people in our life? We need other people in our lives to help us see the insecurities so that the intimidation doesn't take us out of the game. We need people like that. I need people like that. You need people like that. Herod, he desperately needed people like that. But he didn't create a safe environment for anyone to be that way for him. Now, later on, the religious leaders, highly intimidated by Jesus, right? They didn't like how many people were following Jesus. They didn't like the crowd size that were around him. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like the fact that he was bringing freedom to people and not this condemnation and this guilt and this shame and controlling people. He was liberating people. He was breaking their chains, which, side note, that's our January teaching series, Chain Breaker. So come back and hang out with us for that. So which camp do you fall in today? Where are you? Are you intimidated by Jesus or not? Well, maybe here's a little pop quiz to help you figure out where you're at with that. Are you intimidated by the holiness of Jesus? Well, man, I'm not intimidated by the holiness of Jesus. Okay, all right. Well, then how does this question fit with you then? How how can God love such an imperfect person like me? If those words are echoing through your heart today, If they've been coming out of your mouth lately, if they've been an excuse keeping you from all that God has for you, then you are intimidated by the holiness of Christ right now. And the enemy's lying to you, and he's keeping you from the very best that God wants for your life. How can God love such an imperfect person like me? If that's where you're at, then, man, we we got to come to grips with understanding that Jesus loves you just the way you are. In fact, he died for you even in the state that you're in right now. So that he can purify you. That's what he wants to do. How about this? Are you intimidated by the commitment that Jesus is asking for? Because the commitment that Jesus asked for is an all-in commitment. Like, I'm just not sure I'm ready to go all-in. Jesus asked for all-in. He asked for a total surrender. He doesn't ask for you to accept him. He asked for you to lay down your life for him. That's what he looks for. Or maybe this. Maybe this is more you. Are you intimidated by what others are going to say if you decide to follow Jesus? That's a real issue. But I'm going to say to you today, don't let someone on this earth keep you from eternity with God in heaven. No matter who it is, a spouse, a neighbor, a friend, you know, a fellow student at school, don't let anybody keep you from that. Or maybe you're in this last category. Are you intimidated by what you think you will lose if you decide to follow Jesus and put him first? A lot of people have this intimidation, like I'm going to have to lose so much. Right? I'm just going to tell you this. You're going to gain more than you're going to have to give up. Way more. I remember that intimidation ruling me for a season of time. It is a flat lie. It's a lie. Don't be intimidated by that. You're going to gain so much more. Why? Because Jesus came so that we could have a safe, 
encounter with God. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to break the chains. That the birth of Jesus, it started a a 30 plus year, a 33 year time clock that was ticking down to a day of freedom. That when Jesus came at Christmas, this moment that we celebrate, it started this ticking time clock that built to the cross where Jesus would give his life. And then he would raise again from the dead. And right now he sits at the right hand of the Father waiting, eagerly waiting to come back for his church, those who have decided to put him first in their life. John 10.10, Jesus said these words about himself. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus wants for your life. Jesus, God's only son, came. And at this Christmas time, we celebrate that so that our life might be lived to the fullest. And when you surrender your life to Jesus and you follow him as Lord and leader, guess what happens? You become intimidating. Now, not intimidating to others on this earth, that's not what we should use Christianity for. But you become intimidating to the same enemy that Jesus has, Satan himself. Jesus was so intimidating to Satan when he showed up on the scene that Satan tried to kill him when he was just a toddler. A toddler. When was the last time you looked at a baby and you were like, wow, man, that baby's going to rule this house. You know that feeling? Now let's amp that by a thousand times. And Satan's like, hey, I'm in charge here. What's going on? He said, this little baby, this baby's going to rule this place. Like, I can't have that. He's going to rule what I'm trying to rule. He's going he's to do what, I, you know, I, I'm in charge here. I'm in charge here. Right? You, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you become intimidating to the same enemy. And King Herod was intimidated when he heard that Jesus was going to become a powerful king. So he tried to kill him even when he was a child. Look at Matthew chapter 2. It says that Herod, he was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. Just pause it for a minute. I think that's kind of funny. Wise men should outwit others. You know what I'm saying? But this guy, he's what about it? He's furious. Right? It's got him. It's kind of, it's passed through his... His insecurities were really flaming right now, right? So Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had done exactly what wise men should do and outwitted him. And so he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on what the wise men's report of the star, star's first appearance. Man, that is some harsh actions. Some massive, like, Crazy actions right there. For you and me, here's one of the things we need to know. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you become intimidating. So, you know, if you've put Christ first in your life, then you need need to understand something today, that you're going to face trials and challenges and struggles of all different kinds because you're intimidating to an enemy whose sole desire is to thwart God's plan. But you have a God-given purpose. And the enemy is going to do everything in his power to keep you from accomplishing that purpose. That you were created to shine the love of Jesus this Christmas. That you were given talents and abilities to be used to build God's kingdom all around you. And you were given compassion and empathy to care for the needs of others. 
It's no wonder that we face challenges and difficulties of many, many kinds. Because you become intimidating to the very enemy that tried to take Jesus out of the game. But he didn't take Jesus out of the game, and he can't take you out of the game either. All because of what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. The big plan of God is still the big plan, and it hasn't changed. And that's to bring all of humanity into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. And he's using you and me to help accomplish that plan. So... Christmas, it might be intimidating. It might be intimidating in like, what gift should I purchase for that person? Or it might be intimidating because you haven't purchased the gift for the person. (laughs) Could be intimidating because you're wondering how expensive is Christmas going to be this year? Can we afford it? Could be intimidating because of the crowd size at the shopping center or wherever it is that you need to go. It might be intimidating this year because this is the first holiday that you're going to spend with your future mother-in-law. That could be intimidating. might be intimidating because you're wondering to yourself, was I good enough this year to get from Santa what I've been asking him for? Don't let the Christ of Christmas be intimidating to you this Christmas. I got good news for you. That God loves you with an unmeasurable love today. And that Christmas is our reminder that God loved us enough to send his one and his only son. I want you to live with incredible confidence knowing that Jesus came to set you free today. And that Jesus is way more than the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for it all. So church, no need to be intimidated of Christ. Commit yourself to Jesus right now and become intimidating to the enemy as you're filled with God's very spirit and you fulfill God's very plan for your life, all starting with the birth of Jesus. So how important is it to remember that Jesus came? It's vital to your spiritual journey. It will make all the difference for you. It will turn you into an intimidating force linked arm in arm with the spirit of God to accomplish his mission on this earth. So can this Christmas be a radically different Christmas for your life? Yes, if you see yourself arm in arm with him, becoming intimidating to an enemy and shining the love of Jesus to this world. Why don't you stand with me? And let's wrap up in prayer as we wrap up with one more song to conclude our Christmas Eve services. Let's pray. Lord, we commit our life to you right now. Right now, Lord, with everyone that's listening to my voice, if we're far from you, we commit our life to you. If we've been walking with you, but we have forgot the fact that with Christ in us, we are an intimidating force to be used for your kingdom, to advance your purpose on this earth, forgive us, God. May we step back up and may we fulfill our role on this earth. Lord, for now, we've come to worship you. We've come to proclaim your name. That at the name of Jesus, there's freedom. And at the name of Jesus, there's hope. And at the name of Jesus, there is life. And we're coming just like wise men came. We're coming just like the shepherds came. We're coming to bow down before you and to worship you and to declare you as King of kings and as Lord of lords. We come to you knowing that you are a risen Savior. You're not a baby in a manger. Nor are you a Savior hanging on a cross. Nor are you just a great prophet that's dead in a grave someplace. But you are the son of the living God. And you have risen again. 
And the very truth that the angels spoke in that field to the shepherds that night is the very truth of who you are. And that star that led the wise men is still a shining star that leads us back to your heart today. So we choose to worship you, Lord. We choose to lift your name up in this place. We choose to proclaim that, Jesus, you are the reason for it all. The reason for it all. May you meet with this church today. May you touch our hearts. May you make this Christmas more purposeful than it's ever been before in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.